Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan and today on The Detail... Budgeting services are warning people not to get carried away with buy now, pay later products if they're struggling to get by. For a lot of people, buy now, pay later is a godsend. A way to buy something you might really need, you know, a washing machine or a cell phone or a laptop, but you don't have a thousand bucks in the bank to pay for thing is, if you can't keep up with your payments, you get charged late fees. And in New Zealand, the late fees are mounting. Financial mentors have really been reporting since that first lockdown a lot more complex cases coming through the door. For instance, just having so many overlapping at the same time, which is a real risk with buy now, pay later products. We've estimated that late fees could add up to about $10 million a year. That's led to calls from the consumer watchdog for more regulation in this sector. But it's a delicate balance to strike. Buy now, pay later occupies a useful niche. It helps mitigate the use of credit cards for essential purchases. And you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So today on the programme, Consumer New Zealand Chief Executive John Duffy explains the machinations of buy now, pay later. The technicalities that mean these companies don't have to perform the same due diligence as other credit outlets and what policy changes could help rein in the amount New Zealanders are paying in penalty fees without killing the industry altogether. Let's talk buy now, pay later first of all. So explain to me, how does this actually work? For someone who's not familiar with this concept, how does buy now, pay later work? Well, it's it's pretty simple and the, the clue's in the name, right? So you find an item that you're interested in purchasing and if the service is available from uh, the retailer you're looking at buying that item from, you can purchase the item by paying one of four instalments. So effectively, the price that you pay at the shop is a quarter of the total value of the item, and then you pay the remainder off uh, in a series of regular instalments until you've paid the full amount off. There are several big players in the buy now, pay later market here in New Zealand. One of the biggest is a company called Layby. That's L-A-Y-B-U-Y. Here's Layby Chief Executive Gary Roloff speaking in the Sharesies podcast, Lunch Money. The genesis of the product is that traditional Layby spelled L-A-Y-B-Y that we all grew up with. The difference with old school Layby, of course, being that you don't get to take the product home until after you've paid it off. Our Layby, L-A-Y-B-U-Y, is the 21st century equivalent. And uh, what we have said is actually, consumers, we trust you to pay us. We'll pay the retailer on your behalf and you can pay us back interest-free, but you can take your products today. How does that work from like an accounting point of view? Is it that the, so the, the buy now, pay later company, basically it pays the full price of the item and then you repay that company? Is that essentially how it works accounting-wise? Yeah, that's my understanding. So the, the buy now, pay later company will pay out the merchant minus uh, a fee, and those fees are what brings in the money for these companies. And the merchant goes on their merry way, having having received what they want for the product. And then you are in a relationship with the buy now, pay later company as the purchaser to pay off the rest of that amount. Okay, so there are three parties involved with this. There's you, the person who buys the washing machine, let's say. There is the retailer that, that sells their washing machine. And there is the buy now, pay later company, which effectively pays the ticket price and then you're in a relationship with them. That's right. Okay. So this is like a legit thing, right? This is not like payday lenders. It's not like loan sharks. Big established companies offer buy now, pay later services. 
Yeah, that's right. And we're, we're even seeing some of the um, mainstream banks get into the market. This is, yeah, this is completely a legitimate thing. And, and actually for lots of people, it's really good. And the market is responding. Here's 9 to Noon business commentator Rebecca Stevenson. It's just growing like topsy. You know, Laybuy has uh, 542,000 active customers, it said recently, and its merchants had increased 50% year on year, while customer numbers had grown 110% year on year. Um, And Afterpay is just an absolute juggernaut. You know, it's adding something like 17,000 new customers a day on average. So you can see why, you know, the likes of DTR would want to get into this. You know, it's incredibly attractive compared to a higher purchase sort of scheme, which have been really criticised over the years for locking people in to paying sort of higher prices for goods overall. Um, So it's very appealing. It's super quick. You know, it happens in a couple of minutes, you know, that you can get access to this credit and then you get your goods up front. I mean, what is not to like about it? And, you know, from from our perspective at Consumer NZ, we're not anti-Buy Pay Later at all. We see that, you know, there is a real opportunity here to break into the credit market and dislodge the kind of dominant position that credit cards have with their, you know, particularly high interest rates and actually provide a really good competitive option for people. Tell me a bit about the advantages for consumers of using something like this. Well, look, if you can manage your finances well enough, you can make a purchase, spread the payments in a, in a way that's more convenient to you, and get the product that you're after. So, you know, that's rather than borrowing on a credit card at a potentially higher interest rate, you've got an option here where, in theory, you don't pay anything other than any establishment fee that you might have had when you first signed up to the buy now, pay later outfit, if if, if any apply. Yeah, so like if we're in a hypothetical situation here, you know, say that you get a new job and you have to work from home and, uh, I don't know, you need a you need a laptop to do that, and your work isn't providing you with a laptop or whatever, you don't have a thousand bucks in your bank account to sort of buy that laptop. And so your options in that situation, I suppose, are limited to put it on the credit card and then end up paying, what, 110, 120% of the cost price, or buy now, pay later, which is kind of the best of both worlds, would you say? Well, as long as you know that you've got you've got the money to service it yeah. so that you don't incur late payment fees. So, um Let's say, you know, you started in that hypothetical, you started a new job, you're not going to get paid for a couple of weeks, but you need, you need this asset to, to do the job. You've got 500 bucks in your bank account, but not the thousand to make the purchase. Mm. Yeah, it's a great option for you because you know you, you can cover at least two of the payments. Then your pay is going to come in and, and it will get you across the line for the other two payments. Mm. So that's the advantage to the consumer, which seems pretty straightforward. What are the benefits, though, of buying our pay later for the merchant? So for the the retailer, the yeah. computer, the laptop seller in that scenario? Exactly, yeah. From our surveying, one of the big advantages and perhaps one of the more concerning aspects of buying our pay later is 55% of the people we surveyed recently asking about buying our pay later said that they'd made a purchase that they wouldn't otherwise have considered but for the payment, the convenience of the payment option. Mm. So it's, you know, the ease of payment is convincing people to buy things that they otherwise wouldn't have. So if you're a merchant and you have the choice of uh, offering, you know, payments by FPOS or credit card and not making a sale, 
or adding this payment type in and making a sale, then it's a, it's a bit of a no-brainer for you. Hmm. The, the issue I guess we have is there's a whole lot of rules that have grown up with the credit card industry and particularly recently around responsible lending that don't apply here. And one of the issues is that buy now, pay later is falling into a kind of hole in the legal framework in the sense that because you don't get charged interest up front, it doesn't really meet the definition of credit like a credit card would or lending on a credit card. So those rules that apply to you know, most other aspects of credit don't apply here. So to reiterate, buy now, pay later companies don't charge interest and so they're not considered to be lenders of credit. And this means they don't come under the legislation that regulates banks or lending companies, which includes doing affordability checks and making sure a person who's taking out a loan is actually in a position to pay it back. Essentially, there aren't the same checks and balances that would sift out consumers who can't actually afford what they're buying, and when they can't pay... Well, they do charge penalty fees, so if you miss a payment uh, after pay charges, for example, a $10 penalty fee, um, lay-by charges those fees as well, it charges a late payment fee of $10. Um, it used to be, um, for example, with Afterpay, that some of those late payment fees could start mounting up, but there was a big outcry in Australia against Afterpay whacking people with these huge um, late payment fees. So it actually ended up capping its fees. Um, so it's capped, I think, at $68 at the highest end or 25% of the original order value. Um, lay-by caps its penalties at $40. We've estimated that late fees could add up to about $10 million a year. And that is something that concerns you guys as an organisation, these late fees, correct? Well, it concerns us to the extent that people may have borrowed irresponsibly and not realised that once they get into a bit of a spiral here, that these debts start mounting up and the repayment, the late payment fees start mounting up and eventually actually they can be referred to a debt collector, mm-hmm. uh, which will incur even further fees. This is something we're not alone in being concerned about. So FinCap, who's a you know, a nationwide organisation with budgetary advisors are also quite concerned and released a report um, not so very long ago, you know, suggesting that there are people that they're seeing who are taking out multiple uh, buy now, pay later arrangements with multiple providers and the cumulative effect of borrowing on that scale is meaning they just can't service their debt. So these these late fees, these are an interesting element to this whole story, right, in that credit card companies charge interest, and if you default on something like that, then then you're in trouble, just as you are in a late fee kind of situation. But the difference with credit card companies, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the difference with a credit card company is that in order to get a credit card in the first place, you would go through a credit check, and that is not something that happens with buy now, pay later. Is that correct? Well, it's a bit it's a bit beyond a credit check. So a credit, credit check is a retrospective look at your history of payments, right? Uh-huh. And so the, the questions that that bank lenders have to ask you uh, before they offer credit to you actually relate to your ability to service the debt that you're taking on. So it's actually future focused. Yeah. And look, obviously they'll do a credit check as well, so they want to know that, you know, that you've got a track record of being able to pay your bills. But they're also asking you questions around how regular is your salary? Are you are you waged or are you working 
you know, on a contract basis where, you know, your, your income might be lumpy. Yeah. Those types of questions, what other outgoings do you have that could affect your ability to service this credit card up to the limit that we're providing you? Yeah. And, you know, that's important for a couple of reasons. So it might say to a bank, well, we should provide this person a credit card with a $1,000 limit. Well, actually, no, they're good for 5000 So uh, we'll authorise that. Um, with buy now, pay later, those those questions don't exist to the same extent. Just looking at the legal position, there is no requirement on buy now, pay later uh, companies to assess an individual's ability to repay the loan mm. because it's not deemed to be credit. I see. And so it is possible for someone who has no hope of being able to service a buy now pay later purchase making that purchase and then finding themselves swamped under late fees as well as the original cost price and essentially being financially crippled and there's no uh, screening process to make sure that people who are in that position don't get into that position there's questions that individuals are asked as they sign up to these products but there's nothing requiring those companies to necessarily make any inquiries greater than just asking the person. So if you're in a position where you really need that cash, mm. you are not necessarily incentivized to paint an accurate picture of your financial position, and that's where things can go wrong. Well, a boom in the use of buy now, pay later products has prompted warnings of people falling into financial hardship and growing calls for the sector to be regulated. When we've talked to budget advisors here, they tell us they're saying the same things. So people turning up, not just with one buy now, pay later purchase, but possibly purchases across a range of these providers. Uh, That is getting them into a situation of financial hardship because they're also trying to meet all their other normal household costs and they're in, a, they're in a real tight squeeze. Now, I, I mean, you've mentioned several times that, you know, these buy now, pay later arrangements do not fall under, do not have the same requirements on them as, uh, for example, credit cards or, or, or bank lending. Why is that? Because this, I mean, looking at it from the outside, is, this is just, it's just credit in another form, isn't it, essentially? Well, that's what we maintain, but legally it's not. Mm. So um, this, is a, this is a disruptive product. And, and that's why there's great opportunity here for buy now, pay later products to come in and, and shake the credit card industry up a bit. And I'm sure that's why a number of the banks are kind of sniffing around getting involved in the industry as well, because they can see that people might prefer this type of product over a credit card. But because they're so new, the law hasn't had a chance to catch up yet. And we know that uh, MB officials are, are looking at this in the Minister of uh, Consumer, Commerce and Consumer Affairs, David Clark, has come out and said that he's got officials looking at this. The government is looking to regulate buy now, pay later products over concerns indebted shoppers are struggling to pay their bills. I'm uh, concerned of any reports of consumer harm around buy now, pay later products. It's just the natural lag between a disruptive product coming to market and, and the legislation catching up. If you if you do end up defaulting and being charged late fees on a buy now pay later purchase, does that would that go onto your credit report? Oh yes. Yeah. Most definitely. Because I, I think I'm right in saying that your survey showed that buy now pay later is very popular among young people, eighteen to twenty nine year olds, and you could actually you could really screw up your credit history with a series of sort of smaller purchases, right? Like buying, as you say, clothes or, or shoes or whatever, which might not be humongous sums of money, but if you 
continually default, as I probably would have done if I was in my late teens, early 20s on this kind of thing, then you can really kind of oh, mess God, up I your... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's understandable how people fall into this kind of thing, and it could, but it can really grow, can't it? Yeah, that's right. And people shouldn't underestimate the um, repercussions that a bad that bad credit history can have for you mm. as you kind of move through your life stages. And um, although, you know, bad bad credit falls off the other end after a certain period of time, let's say you have a couple of purchases that go badly on buy now, pay later, and then want to take out a bank loan or mm. something like that, um, yeah, your credit history will be checked and you could potentially be denied that loan because you've demonstrated a historical inability to pay or service debt. John, I put this to you, and uh, I'm sure that it's an argument that you hear a lot. It's terrible that lots of people are getting into debt through buy now, pay later, but they make that choice. They sign up to things. There is an element of personal responsibility that comes in here. Um, if you're getting bled dry by this, then you've got no one to blame but yourself. What would you say to that? Look, I'd agree. Look, there are, there's absolutely an element of personal responsibility uh, in this. However, we... <laughs> When you look at the way some of these products are marketed, it's all about the ease of purchase and it's all about temptation. And uh, we have deemed it appropriate in the credit card space to put rules in place to make sure those people who are the most vulnerable aren't preyed upon by these products. We're simply arguing that those restrictions should also be in place for buy now, pay later. As you said at the beginning, you know, this isn't something that you want to necessarily alienate, right? It does fill a useful niche in the market, and over-regulation could presumably do that, could send people towards credit cards. So what sorts of regulatory practices would you suggest that could, that could help out in this area? Well, I think we've, we've got a pre-existing regime uh, where uh, banks and other credit providers have requirements on them to, to make sure they should be, that, that the consumers they're lending to can service their service their loans. So it's not like we're saying you know, we need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, I think part of the problem is the business model. So if I'm thinking, all right, I might take advantage of a buy now, pay later product, and I go onto that product's website and I sign up and I have a bit of time on my hands, I could probably go through um, a checklist of questions. I could potentially provide some evidence. I could even talk on the phone with um, a customer services rep and, and satisfy some of the requirements required for responsible lending. But the, the buy now, pay later business model often relies on you being in store. So you, you see something you like and you, you go to the counter, I don't know, let's say it's a clothing item with your clothing item mm-hmm. and say, I'd like to pay by a buy now, pay later product. And if you signed up there and then, it's pretty difficult for the shop assistant at the clothing store to be um, acting like, you know, a lending officer in a bank and asking you the appropriate questions around your ability to repay. And also, you know, there's a degree of intimacy to those questions. People are, you know, you're having your financial situation inquired into. Mm-hmm. It's not really something that you probably want to be putting retail staff in the way of. So um, the business model itself is a bit problematic in that sense. So the, the, the immediate sign-up idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I mean, you've pointed out a, a problem there in that situation, but what, what is a solution that you would, that you would suggest there? Well, I think the, the point-of-sale sign-up aspect of um, buy now, pay later is problematic. You know, if you're going to apply responsible lending rules, just 
say if you want to use buy now pay later you have to be pre-approved before you go into the into the retail store or you want to use the credit that you've got on your buy now pay later account um, and for you know once you've once you've signed up and, and it's all set up that won't be a problem so once you've paid off your initial purchase my understanding is the way a lot of the companies work is you then have that that amount in credit sitting there on your account and you're pre-signed up you've already proven that you've got the ability to repay mm. and so if you can manage it well well it's just like having an overdraft or, or a credit card facility there but you don't have the interest element uh, applying to it so in that scenario it's, it's good it's just the initial onboarding and you know particularly the, an inquiry from the buy now pay later company as to whether you have multiple other debts that you're servicing at the same time as this and that just becomes a little bit more confused when there's the anticipation of a purchase right in front of you and you just want to get the deal done you might be incentivized to maybe not be as honest as you could be around your financial position and therefore take on a debt you can't service that's it for today i'm emile donovan The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Consumer NZ's John Duffy. Ka kite anō.